0: Just out of curiosity, how many people were there a couple months ago when I gave devotion on Saturday morning? Okay, you're going to hear that message again, but you're going to hear more of it. So I hope it's a blessing. We're going to look at two verses to get started tonight. If you'll turn to Mark 8 verses 22 through 24 I remember the first time I ever preached Brother Brock looked at me and said just make sure those butterflies are flying in formation and then I took over the 8 to 12 year old class so I get to teach and preach on a weekly basis they still don't fly in formation so I'm a little bit nervous but chapter 8 Verse 20 through through 24 says, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And I know if we read on, we read the rest of that section there that the Lord touched his eyes again and he got his sight clearly. But if we'll turn to Psalms chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 3, which is a very familiar verse to most of us. But it says. I'm so, it says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit and his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this time that we can be under your preaching. Father, Lord, I just pray. That you would kill Tim Wells and that you would speak through me, Father, Lord, and help my, help the message you gave me to be clear. Lord, we love you tonight. We just thank you for all things you do. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. In the book of Mark, we've seen the blind man as they started to revive his sight. And he said he's seen men as trees. In verse 3, in Psalms, chapter 1, it says, we're to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Tonight, I just want to spend a little bit of time and hopefully talk a little bit about how we go from people seeing us as just trees walking around to being that tree planted by the river and able to bring forth our fruit in due season. I've been blessed for the last 14 years to work at Woodstock Supply, and many of you know it's a lumber company. When I started there, I didn't know anything about wood. Just like when we start our life with Christ, we really don't know anything about Christ. But somebody plants that seed in our heart. Just like I started working in the lumber industry, I started learning more about wood. I learned that there's different species of wood, which, had, I, had you asked me, I thought I probably would have told you 15 years ago, oh, all the different colors are because of the stains they put on. It's how ignorant I was. <laughs> I didn't know. If you've ever seen me build something, my wife would tell you, yeah, it usually doesn't turn out good. So I thank God for friends that have been able to help. But I want to thank tonight the first thing is like i said everything begins with a seed i want you to think back in your lives to that person man or woman that the first one to tell you about christ mine was actually at a southern baptist camp when i was six years or not six years old i guess i was probably like nine and we were there for a week and I started listening to the sermon because I took a liking to a girl that was there. And I said, well, she's listening. I better listen too. And didn't really get much out of it, even though I remember going forward and she's going forward. This must be something good, not listening to her, listening to them trying to give me the gospel, but watching her the whole time. But I think the person that was there at that Southern Baptist camp that cared enough to plant that seed because that's when I first started thinking about religion. And then I think of a man that was a Southern Baptist preacher up in Leeds that had left a uh, home in Texas and came to a small town of Leeds. If you guys, I don't know if everybody's been to Lead, but it's not really a thriving metropolis, <laughs> nor was it when I was growing up, and it was bigger when I was growing up than it is now, people-wise, but i thank god for that then we went to seattle and there's we started hearing about this thing called the independent fundamental baptist church everything we'd known was southern baptist you follow the convention but my niece had started riding on the vans at that independent baptist church and so we, my niece was like, hey, you guys need to come. And she was really excited about it. So we said, okay, we love you. We'll come. And I think that guy from Georgia, that was the pastor there, that I wasn't safe, but I got a lot of respect for him because to me, a pastor showed up on Sunday, did his job on Sunday, and through the rest of the week, I didn't really know if he cared about his people or not, but... This guy showed up on a Tuesday and he said, hey, is your mom and dad home? And I said, no, sir. And he goes, hey, I just stopped by to tell you guys thank you for coming Sunday. It means a lot to me. And I was like, what? This is Tuesday. Why is he showing up at our door on Tuesday? But he planted that seed and it went a little bit further. Then I came back here and I met a man from the south that by Wisconsin, ended up here. Most of you know I'm talking about Pastor Williams. I love that man because that seed was there, but he kept watering that seed. He kept doing more and more for that seed that had been planted. And I started to care a little bit more, but I still hadn't. And then many of you know Brother Hawtrey, 2007, he Showed up for anniversary days. That seed had been planted by pastor, watered by other people, or planted by however you want to look at it. And this guy got up here, and all week I battled the issue of salvation. I'd even went to pastor, and I said, Pastor, I don't know if I'm saved. Pastor Williams at the time. He said, well, you know all the verses. There's nothing I can do for you. Because I had that head knowledge, but I didn't have a heart knowledge. So all week I battled that. Thursday night came along. I looked at Pastor Williams before the message. And I said, Pastor, I know I'm not saved. And he goes, well, you need to get it right tonight. And I said, okay. And so, end of the preaching, and we had our I think they were even orange at that time, pews. If you remember those, and I grabbed the back of that pew and I looked at Brandy. Brandy didn't even know what I was wrestling with all week. It was something that I'd been dealing with. She thought I was saved. Most of the people here thought I was saved. And Pastor looked, got to the end of the invitation. He said, "Now we're never," and you know who I'm talking about, because he knew it had to be done that night. And I, uh, and he goes, Brother is going to go out and talk to you in the foyer. And I went out there, and Brother, H- Brother Hottree looked at me, and he goes, Tim? He was amazed that it was me. That's how good of a show I'd put on. I uh, thankful that he was here to cultivate that seed. And every one of us has a story like that. Maybe not so many people that were involved in finally getting you to this point of salvation. But everybody has a person that planted that seed in your lives. I just encourage you to often think back to that time when you were saved. Think back about those people. And the second thing that will take us from walking around like trees to being planted, just like a regular tree, We need things that will help us grow. You know, it's good. Everybody know what this is? If you're a member here, you should know what this is. We fill them out every single year if you read your Bible through. But if you're doing it for the dessert at the end of the year, it's not going to do you any good to fill out this piece of paper or to read through your Bible, to just say you read through your Bible. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to study God's word. The Bible says, Search the scriptures, for they bear witness of me. We need to be searching the scriptures to learn about God. We need to be spending time in the Bible studying it. And not just Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of the life which is in Jesus Christ to Timothy my daily beloved. Okay I'm done for the day. We've got to spend time in God's word or we're never going to get to that point where we're planted by the rivers of water. Next thing is We need church attendance. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Most of these are familiar verses. I'm not reading anything new. They're verses that we all know pretty well. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more. As you see the day approaching. Why do we need church attendance? Because we need the fellowship of the saints. Like I said, I work at Woodstock. That's a very dark place. Every word out of, every other word out of somebody's mouth at that place, especially in the warehouse where I'm working again, you don't want to hear. I don't know how many times I've stopped and said, whoa, you think talking like that makes you intelligent? You think you you sound smart saying those words? I need to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, because I need you guys. We need each other. But not only do we need the fellowship of the saints, we need the preaching of God's word. Sometimes we need pastor to stand up here and step on our toes a little bit so that we know, hey, I want to get to that place where I can be productive for God, but sometimes we need God. We need to hear from God's Word and the man of God. So we need church attendance. First Thessalonians five seventeen says, "Pray without ceasing." I remember being a new Christian and reading that verse and thinking. How can I pray without ceasing? I have daily activities I got to do. I got to go to work. I got to eat. I got to do this. Not really knowing what it meant because we know the word "cease" or "to cease" means to stop. So I said, "How am I gonna? Pray? How do I pray without stopping?" And the more I studied it and meditated on it, I think what God's really trying to tell us is there's points. And throughout our day, that ain't necessarily our prayer time, if you will, that God will bring somebody into our mind. God will bring that need that we know from talking to that person that, hey, that person has a need. One of my best friends is moving to London. I don't know how many times I've been at work, and Jed and Abby have came to my mind, and I've prayed for him at work. They need our prayers. You military people that have been there, moved, you know how hard it is. We have things that we know we should pray for that we bypass praying for. And it's not that God doesn't bring it to our minds. It's that in our minds we think we're too busy to stop and pray for that. Even though we know the Bible says pray without ceasing. But the third thing I looked at is the fact of just like I said earlier, I didn't know there was different kinds of trees. I know there's different kinds of trees now. Just like in this church, there's different kinds of people. And we all have different jobs. Yeah. The guy that stands up here every almost every week, unless he's you got something else like tonight going on? He's our pastor. And if we try to pastor the church, we're sinning, plain and simple. We all have a ministry within this church, and if you don't have a ministry within this church, find one. I said this at the devotion, when I gave it because it was more of a time, if prevalent of a time, if you will. But many people know I ran the vans for seven years here. But the Chavezes are doing it, doing a great job. But if I go up to Mike and I, if without Mike asking me what I think about something, if I go up to Mike and I said, "This is how you ought to do it, brother," I did it for seven years. Now you listen, I'm going to tell you how to do it. I'm sinning because that's not my ministry. I gave that ministry up. And the Chavez are doing a good job with it. It's not your right to go to each Sunday school teacher and say, this is what I think you should do. It's not your right to build the curriculum for Sunday school classes. We got a Sunday school superintendent, if you will. And I thank God for that, that I don't have to do that. All I got to do is prepare a little message for 8 to 12-year-olds. And I don't think I don't take that serious because I take it very serious, but... That's my job. that's my ministry. but we all have something we can be involved in. If you don't, I encourage you to find something. But not only do we have different jobs, we have there's fruit trees, and the fruit and the Bible tells us, in Galatians 5:22 through23, what the fruit of the spirit is. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. If we want to get to that point where we're planted, we need to learn to love people. And some people, they're just, it, had, it takes a lot to love them. I'll just put it like that. I work with one guy that, If you're not with God, he'll irritate you, and everybody there talks about him, and he's slow, he does this, he does this wrong, and you hear it. But that's my job as a Christian to love that man. If you know somebody that people don't like, it's still your job. It's not your job to join in the bashing. It's your job to love that guy or woman. Not only do we need to love, we need to have joy. Many of you know I'm a sports fan, and the teams I like have never won a Super Bowl, never won a World Series, but that's not the kind of joy God's talking about. The kind of joy God's talking about is remembering that if we've given our hearts to Christ, we get to spend eternity in heaven with him. Is there any greater joy than that? But not only love, joy, but peace. Are you at peace with everybody in here tonight? I think pastors said it a lot lately. If we're going to go forward as a church, there can't be disunity among the brethren. But then we've got to be long-suffering. Mercy. I'm thankful for a wife that's long-suffering. I've had her bathroom tore apart because I'm trying to work on my closet for about two months now. If if I was her, I probably would have strangled me by now. But she's been long-suffering. That's what we got to do for each other. We can't expect each other to know and to do right away what needs to be done for the other person. We need to be long-suffering. We need to be gentle. That's a tough one for a lot of guys who, I'm never going to say I love her, blah, 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 blah. A lot of guys have a hard hard time being gentle. I listen to guys at work, and we have Christ, so it makes it a little bit easier for us. But just to hear how guys talk at work. And then goodness and faith, meekness, and the other fruits of the Spirit that we could go on about. We need to apply those to our lives so that we can get to where God wants us to be. But then there's trees that are used for construction, that are used for building. And that's what we sell at Woodstock. And There's some trees that if you tried to build with, they're just too soft. You can never build. You need a wood that's hard and that you can build with. And that made me think of Hebrews in chapter 3. In verse 13 it says, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you have been hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It's our job to encourage each other. I've said that already, but I just want to pound it home, if you will, that we need to encourage each other. We live in a world that's not going to encourage us, that's not going to encourage people to go to church. I went. I stopped by for this wood, I'm OA into church tonight and everybody kind of looked at me and they know who I am they know what I do on Wednesday nights but it was still so foreign to see, for them to see me in a church in a suit and they didn't encourage me to go to church tonight oh you're going to church they know I do but we need to encourage each other because the world's not going to but then as I was preparing this message I thought back to I said I came back from Seattle and I came to church only I didn't have any interest in God I came to church because that's what my mom and dad expected of me when I came back to visit them but I went to service that night and I was ready to go home and just enjoy the rest of the night and we're getting ready to leave and Pastor First pulled me aside And he said, oh, you're you're Pam and Lanny's son. You're from Seattle, right? Anybody know that Pastor First is from Seattle? He started asking me questions and talking to me. I was like, when's this guy going to be quiet? I just want to go home. And as we were leaving, he said, well, I'm going to pray for you. And I said, okay, well, you do that. And he... And then there was Jeff Ross that told me the same thing. I went home and I was like, oh, those guys are going to pray for me. Well, it's not going to do no good because I don't have any interest in God. Went back to Seattle and I lost a section of my sales department. Adam, you know what that's like to lose part of sales. I was going to lose about $5,000 if I stayed at that job. If you've ever lived near Seattle... If you lose five thousand dollars, you can't afford to live in Seattle. It's a very expensive place to live. We're paying thirteen—I think it was like thirteen hundred dollars for a two-bedroom condo out there. And losing that money, I said, I told Chris, I said, my roommate at the time said, "I gotta leave." I said, "We ain't gonna be able to afford this," and he goes, "Yeah, I know." So I called my mom up and I said, "I want to come home." I'll come out there and she said when I said well how about this weekend and she said well I got work but I can see if I can get it off and her and dad made a weekend trip to Seattle to pick me up I say all this because Pastor First said I'm going to pray for you and he encouraged me and I got back out of Seattle and everything started going south and I know it's because Pastor First was here praying and, but then I got thinking, how many people come in on a Sunday morning and we don't exhort them? They sit in our chairs here, they leave, and we don't say a word to them. What well, about Sunday nights? I've seen people come in that, in my selfishness, in my sin, in my flesh, I said, well, there's another drunk that came in on a Sunday night. You know, that's my job to go to that person and encourage them like Pastor First encouraged me. I wonder what's going to happen this Sunday when another Tim Wells walks in our doors. Are we going to be there to build him up? Are we going to be like that construction grade lumber that is used for building? Are we just going to let that person sit in, the, sit in our chairs and then walk out without saying anything to him? I got a Brooke, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but brother, when I've been in here on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights, what you, Madison, do, that's awesome. Keep it up. But then I got to thinking about lodgepole pines, eucalyptus, and banksia trees. Anybody know what those have in common? Those trees need other trees to catch fire in order for them to grow. I got to think, how much is that like our lives? Who around us needs us to be on fire to help them grow? And are we on fire when they need us to be? The Bible says, I'd rather you were hot or cold, but since you're lukewarm, I'll spew thee out of thy mouth it's like I was talking about earlier if we go to church and we're just there to attend church if we just read God's word to say hey I read the word of God but we're still doing it that's lukewarm and God said he's going to spew us out of our mouth out of his mouth but then I think well if I caught fire for God who could I encourage and I think we could fill this place to where we had no option but to make our next move, if we would all just be on, the, be on fire like we're supposed to be. If we did what we were supposed to do, we'd have no problem filling, filling this building. If you brought one visitor next week, each person here, this building couldn't hold that. And God would reward that. We need to see past ourselves and see what God's going to do if we all catch fire. But then we know about damage that trees can cause. If you've ever seen what a hurricane or tornado will do to a tree, or if you've ever had a tree fall on your car, you know it's probably not a good thing that that damage can be caused. In Romans 14, verse 21 says, It is good neither neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. We have a responsibility not to make our brother stumble. If we make our brother stumble by doing something that might be offensive to them, then it says yes, that we're not to do that. Ezekiel three and verse eighteen talks about our relationship with the unsaved. It says When I say unto the wicked thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning nor speakest to warn the wicked from the wicked way, from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand at thine hand. See, we have a responsibility to tell the wicked if they don't know Jesus about Jesus. And we're causing damage that at one point in time, that blood's going to be on our hands if we don't warn people. So the damage will be done, but we'll be guilty of the damage. The Lord says it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I just pray that we wouldn't make we wouldn't cause that damage. And I wanna close. I wanna close with this last thought. Pastor told me I had to have you guys out of here by eight thirty because there's a storm coming, so when we wake up there'll probably be an inch on the ground. But I heard Pastor talking to somebody earlier and he talked about getting a half a foot and I said, You want me to preach until there's a half a foot on the ground? Well was, But I want to close with this, and then we'll go home early. But it says, but last thing is, trees can be cut in different ways. If anybody seen me with these boards and was wondering what they were, if you can see this board, it's just a normal piece of lumber. It's plain. It's just cut. It's cut what they call flat cut. I know you guys wanted to come learn about God, but I'm going to teach you about lumber, too. But then, if you can I don't know how noticeable it is, but if you can see this piece of lumber, then all the flakes and the cuts in it, this is what they call quarter sawn. It's cut in a different form. Just like if we think about people in the Bible like Abraham. How many times was Abraham cut by things? He gave his nephew Lot the choice of which land to choose. And Lot messed that up and caused Abraham, I'm sure, shame. Abraham brought other things upon himself that cut himself. But then I think of Job. By our standards, Job had everything. Job had, I'm sure, what would be equivalent to a nice house, lots of land. The Bible says when his children died, they were on a different area area of the land that he owned in a house. So you can just imagine how much land Job had. But then the devil said, Eh, You know your servant Job, I can cut him like this and he won't be no use to you. And the Lord said, just don't take his life. And then the devil went back and he said, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to cut him like this. And the Lord said, okay, just don't take his life. To where everything Job had, including his physical condition, had been marred. But Job despite his wife's playing, did not curse God and die. And we know how Job ended up at the end. But then I think of our Lord. How many people cut our Lord? Not only in the Bible, but still today, with the way we live, we cut the Lord. And I think about Judas, who's the obvious one. But sometimes I think that Judas, telling the Roman soldiers who Jesus was was for our benefit because Jesus went to the cross and he died for us but the way we live our lives we cut Jesus but there's going to come a point in each of our lives as many of us have already experienced that we're cut in different ways people say stuff about us that we know ain't true but still doesn't stop them from cutting Well, we need to go on. We need to live for God. Those two boards that I showed you, I got to tell you something about that one that had all those cuts. I can sell for about twice what I can sell that normal piece of wood for. And Why do I bring that up? Just because you've been cut by somebody else? Maybe God did it for your benefit to be more valuable. So that you can get to that point where you're planted by the rivers. Where you can get to that point where you bring forth your fruit. So that's praying will be done. Father Lord, I thank you for this time that you allowed me to preach, Father. I thank you for this message. I pray that somebody would get a hold of something that I said and apply it to their lives, Father. I thank you for how you've taught me out of it, Father Lord. made me aware of things that are causing me from getting to that place where I'm parked by the river and I'm planted by the river, Lord, that I can bring forth fruit for you, Father. Lord, I pray be everybody's desire that we would bring forth fruit and much fruit for you, Father. Thank you for loving us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.